0: welcome to the sports spectrum podcast where faith and sports collide here's your host jason romano
1: welcome everyone to the show my name is jason romano this is the sports spectrum podcast episode number 68 welcome to the show and thank you so much for tuning in as always you can download and subscribe to this podcast on itunes apple Podcasts, google play stitcher everywhere podcasts are found, we are there, including our YouTube page. So if you go to YouTube, you will find every single Sports Spectrum podcast posted to our YouTube channel. So check that out and subscribe as well there at Sports Spectrum right there on our YouTube page. And of course, all of our content is found at SportsSpectrum.com where you can partner with us for just $36. And that includes an entire year's worth of becoming a member and partnering with us and subscribing and you get our magazine our quarterly magazine as well as becoming a member of our family and helping to contribute to the productions of this podcast as well as all the content that is available at sportsspectrum.com today's guest may be my favorite podcast we've done yet and the reason is because daryl strawberry was my childhood hero sports hero in many ways and I'm a a diehard New York Mets fan. I've been a fan since 1983. Also, coincidentally, the year that Daryl Strawberry came into the major leagues. He was the National League Rookie of the Year that year, and that is when nine- or ten-year-old Jason Romano became a gigantic New York Mets fan, mostly because of number 18 on the Mets, Daryl Strawberry. And Daryl's going to join us on the podcast today. He, of course, played Uh, A bunch of years in the majors with the Mets, almost eight years there with the Dodgers, with the Giants, and then at the end of his career, he won a couple World Series with the New York Yankees back in New York. He is an eight-time Major League Baseball All-Star, four-time World Series champion, and as I mentioned, he is the 1983 Rookie of the Year. He has a new book coming out called Don't Give Up on Me, Shedding Light on Addiction. And he is now currently an evangelist. He is traveling around the country, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone who will listen. And Daryl is the epitome of a person who has turned their life around, who God has transformed and brought back basically from the dead. He he was in a pit of despair in drugs and alcohol and addiction, divorced, uh, just brokenness, uh, arrests, you name it. Daryl was was at the bottom of the barrel, and God got a hold of him and has transformed his life. And on this podcast, this episode, we're going to hear the story of Daryl Strawberry and why that brokenness really was seated in his life from an early age with an absent father and how he turned it around after a very successful baseball career and what it really meant to have God kind of grab a hold of him, what it means to know Jesus, and why addiction is such a difficult thing to overcome. And I, I just hope you guys enjoy this interview and hear Daryl's heart, just his heart for people and his heart to want to serve the Lord. So without further ado, here he is, number eight team with the New York Mets, eight-time Major League Baseball All-Star, four-time World Series champion with the Yankees and Mets. He is Daryl Strawberry. Daryl, how are you? I'm doing
0: great. Thanks for having
1: me. Man, it's so good to talk to you. And your story is incredible. And I love what you're doing now. And we're going to talk more about sort of where your journey has taken you and what God is is doing in your life right now. But I, I want to start with the book because you have a new book out. We're going to get to your journey, like I said, from baseball, from brokenness to freedom, and all that in just a minute. But tell us why you wrote this book. It's called. Don't give up on me, and it's on addiction and shedding light on addiction. Tell us about the book and why you wrote it now.
0: Well, it's important for people to understand addiction today in our society and what we're dealing with and what we're facing every day and facing young people losing their life and they don't really have to lose their life. Um, Addiction is a, a disease just like anything else, like cancer and anything else, and you know, we do rallies for that, for cancer, and we need to start learning to do rallies for addiction. And we're really talking about the stigma. Um, the stigma of addiction is people are weak, and there there was nothing weak about me. It was an illness and it was through brokenness. Um, and most people end up with addiction because of some type of trauma, some type of rejection, loneliness. Um, no one signs up for it. Uh, it's, it's something that just happens in someone's life and, It happened in my life. I was a high-profile athlete, and there I was at a young age, uh, broken and ejected by my father, and there I was picking up marijuana at an early age and drinking at an early age, and and then it just increased as as time went by. So we need to understand that people's lives matter, no matter who they are and what they they have done, um, and there's help. The, The reason for writing the book was to bring about education and awareness, and once people open up the book and read it, I would challenge people to go out and get it the read it so they can understand what happens to a person. So you can see what happened to me, and then you can see the doctors uh, in, in the book writing about what happens to one and how one get affected. And and no one should ever give up on anyone because we don't know what their life's going to turn out to be. We should learn to love them. Uh, we don't have to tolerate the madness, but love them and care for them and just hope that uh, they can get the proper help one day and. and the most important thing we're writing the book is bringing back education in America. With the epidemic that we have today with opiates and heroin addiction that's sweeping across America, and, and just people are dying, young people are dying, people, young kids are getting addicted to pills uh, because of injuries and and different things, and they're ODing and dying. It's really sad to see what's happening um, to our country. So I'm trying to bring some real education from one that's been there and been through it, and go back into the schools and programs and educate people of
1: how to help people. And you're doing a great job with that and we'll talk more about that in a moment and you know just about addiction because I have a lot of questions just specifically about that with you but I want to go back a little bit you mentioned that it was your father in certain situations at a young age to where you kind of got caught up in that drug and addicted world but obviously you were a heck of a baseball player growing up so I wonder for you in your youth in your teen years what was life like for you back then because you know some will say listen this kid is is 18 years old and being drafted number one overall into the major leagues by the mets and yet it wasn't all glamorous for you was it no it wasn't
0: um, I was very lonely inside uh, because like I said I didn't have a father in my life and it was very painful um, through the stress of who I was and everything because of the rejection and the beatings that my father gave me and told me i never amounts to nothing. What most people don't understand, my pain led me to my greatness, but my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior in my life because it's gonna play out. And I think a lot of times people don't know um, what a household is like and kids being scarred, and they just think, "Well, you put on the uniform and you can hit a baseball, you should be happy, you make millions of dollars." Well, money money doesn't doesn't heal with the, the problem that's inside of a person. And and for me, that's what it was. Uh, baseball was just a great outlet for me to escape of um, not feeling what was going on inside. And I was able to excel because I was determined to make myself great because of the rejection in my life. And that's really what happened and took place in my life. I, was, I became great at playing baseball, and but I was still empty on the inside. I was very successful. Don't get me wrong, Jason, but I was very empty inside. I was successful from the outside standpoint. Everybody looking at it having a bunch of stuff and and having fame and and thinking, you know, you should have it all together. Well, you look at most famous people, uh, so many of them end up addicted and and the drugs and alcohol and try to escape from the reality of what's hurting inside and never deal with that and just cover it up with um, a bunch of stuff. And so I was no different than anybody else. I was in the same place that most people that get in the midst of addiction.
1: You didn't have a dad growing up, you said. What was that void? like you know and looking back now but even when you're going through it at a young age it was it was very empty
0: um every kid that grows up to play little league you would think you have a father who can watch you play and support you but i didn't have that i only had my mom and it was very hard um People say, "Well, you could just move on." Well, that's that's not the real reality of life. It's just moving on, and mm. you know that it's important to have a father in your life. And I remember when I was going through that that situation in my life. I, I remember when I said to myself, I used to sit on the bed and say to myself that when I grew up and have kids myself and got married, and had kids myself, I would never put my hands on my kids because it would leave scars and it would leave pain inside of them. And I, I I did that. I never touched my kids because of that, because of what I experienced. So, um, not having that father figure around uh, was very tough. It was very tough for me, my brothers, and my sisters to be able to go through that process and just being raised by a mom. And, you know, mom was sweet and she took care of all of us and everything. And But a boy always needs a father. He always needs that male figure in his life to encourage him to tell him that you can be great, you can be this. And, you know, I've done that with my kids, and I'm very proud of myself that uh, I've been able to be a father to my kids regardless of what I went through. I've changed my life, but I've been able to be in their life and be supportive of them and go to their games as they play college sports and stuff like that. So that's very important for parents to understand that. Uh, all, all Having everything doesn't mean you have it all together. I mean, we we make we, we make it out in the society that you have everything, you have it all together. That's a lie. Most people that have so much success, they have so much trouble and turmoil inside the house uh, that they never deal with. They just cover it up because we have uh, success and we have money to sweep it under the rug.
1: Where's faith for you at this age, Daryl? Like when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, faith in Christ is any of that? Is there any kind of spirituality going on in your younger younger years?
0: Well, not at the time, at the younger years. Uh, It wasn't. It wasn't until later. Um, Of course, my mom gave a strong Christian woman, and following Christ, she was a prime example of what God looked like, and we saw that. But we were so far distance away of of brokenness, which is real. And that's what we live in a society like, you know, people growing up with being broken and and not healed. So it wasn't until my mom started walking in, in my later years, uh, of faith and showing us what faith looked like and I was an adult at the time but I was struggling because I was struggling with the identity of who I was uh, a major league baseball player being successful my job was to go out and win games and, and try to win championships and that's all people thrived about and people raved about because I got better as a baseball player each year And but I was still at that place where who am I you know I'm just putting on the uniform yeah I'm being very successful but uh, that that doesn't make me a man. That just made me a baseball player putting the uniform on. So pe- most people don't realize the importance of becoming a man and knowing what's important in life uh, overrides being just a baseball player.
1: You were the number one overall pick, as I mentioned earlier, in 1980 by the New York Mets. Expectations are high. You were so young, just 18 years old. And then you make your Major League debut in 1983 with the Mets, and immediately you become a fan favorite. Certainly the guy interviewing you right now was one of those fan favorites, and you go on to an awesome career with the Mets, but I wonder how you look back on those early years and, and remembering even your first game and sort of the emotions of coming to the big leagues and being a baseball player in New York City.
0: It was exciting. I was very happy. I was very happy to the point of getting there and finally uh, arriving. I remember early in my career in the minor leagues, I came close to quitting, You know, playing in Lynchburg, Virginia. And, I had to go through some real racial things, uh, racial slurs by fans and telling me how I wasn't that good and calling me out of my name. And it, it was tough. I came close to quitting baseball here. And then I went to, back to Mississippi the next year, um, 1982, and I ended up being in Texas League in repeat. And from there, I realized that I I have arrived as a baseball player. And then I went to Triple A for a month. And then I came up to the big leagues. And it was really exciting. I was really happy for my mom because she got a chance to be there see me finally make it a, a dream that come true for myself. And she was excited. I was excited about the practice plan. Um, in a place like New York, I didn't know the expectations would be so high, but they were great. Um, and I just fell into the fact that I had to fulfill these expectations because everybody always wanted more. And when you gave them so much, they wanted more. It was never enough. And playing in New York, you had to deal with media and everything and the notoriety and becoming a young star at an early age you know, messing with a last space team and here I was coming in and sort of changed the face of the match and I got a chance to play at such a high level. I will always be grateful for that. It was a really exciting time for me to play uh um, making like in a city like New York and I'm always grateful that I had a chance to play in New York because New York really made me grow up and become uh, a person. It didn't make me a man, but it made me become a person and learn that this life is fast and this life is different and there's gonna be a lot of temptations, a lot of pressure. But I always kept my focus on uh, the game, like being, being a player and doing what I did best. And that's performing at the highest level that I could and becoming the player that I became.
1: Yeah, and you were one of the best the Mets have ever seen. Still hold the home run record mark for the New York Mets. But, you know, as great as things seem on the field, and certainly from a fan's perspective, you know, watching the Mets, I'm not seeing sort of all of the things that you're going through on a daily basis behind the scenes. And so I wonder, because even in the midst of this dominant stretch on the field for you in the prime of your career, the 86 Mets, you know, revered, one of the great Mets teams, one of the great baseball teams of all time. And yet there's still so much going on off the field for you. So can you take us there and give us a a glimpse on playing in New York and, and being so revered from a from a baseball perspective, but sort of the things going on behind the scenes that aren't so glamorous.
0: Yeah, the baseball perspective was great, you know, because I was, like I said, I was a baseball player and I knew stepping between the lines, I needed to get it done, because there was so much expected out of me. And I liked, I liked the fact that it was expected out of me because I had the talent and I knew how to rise to the occasion and perform. Um, but yeah, there was so much going on off the field, so much turmoil going on off the field. And, in my relationship, marriage, and it was falling apart. You know, I was going through brokenness and that um, because I was drinking and I was partying and I was womanizing. I was doing all the wrong things. And you know, looking back on that, if, if I just know if I had someone guiding me down the road to show me the road of life and what it is to be a man and be a husband, I would have be been more prepared. I just wasn't prepared for all that. All I was prepared for was uh, playing at the highest level and winning games. Um, and sometimes I think people don't realize the importance of preparing a position for the off the field of his life and who years is to learn to separate and take off the uniform. And I didn't learn that until later on in my life, probably take off the uniform. That was because of my wife, Tracy. But for a long time, you know, my identity was in my uniform and the success happening wasn't in uh, the purpose of my life. And, and I struggled with that for a very long time, Jason. I'm quite sure a lot of people in life struggle with identifying themselves, who they are, um, and don't really know what's the real reason why we're here and what we're here for. And and I didn't know that. I just I just knew that I had a job to do. Um the expectations are there, the media and fans and expectations are there from now and also the organization. So and I also feel um my whole life is just on fire, uh, because I was just so lost in doing whatever I wanted to do because you think you're a man because you you, you arrive at this career uh you're very successful making millions of dollars and uh, you're taking care of your family you know, that's what you're supposed to do and i think a lot of times most people think you should become a man because of that and you don't become a man because of that and for me I, I struggled with that for a very long time off the field
1: was it hard to i mean you talk about temptations right and and, and when you're at the the height of your career and you're an all-star and you're a world series champion you're basically being given the city. You can have whatever you want, and people are giving, 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 and nobody's pouring into you. Though it's just these uh, sort of enabling, right, of being a celebrity and being allowed to go places and you know, you know, give things. What is how is that world from when you look back at it now and what it was like and just. Sort of how how really destructive and crazy it is and backwards it is for, for a lot of people. Tell us about that. Well, it's the worst
0: thing that can really happen. You know, becoming a celebrity and and not equipped, you know, that life will it will completely drown you. Um because the temptation of everything is right at your hand. Girls drink, um, nightclubs, uh whatever you want, drinking, partying, drugs, whatever you want to do. Um, it's it's right in front of you. And no one ever tells you uh, no, no one ever tells you no. You shouldn't do that. Everyone just kind of laughs and hangs with you and say, you know, you can do whatever you want because you're Daryl Strawberry. You're you're number eighteen for the New York Match. I mean, you're winning ball games.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm winning
0: ball games with my performance, but I'm also losing that life. And no one ever really wants to talk about the losing part of your life until until you until you're drowning. Then everybody everybody runs when you're drowning, and everybody says, "Well, we should have helped." And nobody really helps you when you're going through it because they think, you know, they they think this is just the way life should be. And it's unfortunate that it happens that way with so many athletes and so many celebrities in Hollywood. They get get lost and they get lost in the life of, of of having fun and and not uh, knowing who they are. And it's real uh, when I look back on it. Um, I don't even see that person today, but I, when I look back on it and I, and I think about it, I think about how how, how lost I really was. Um, I was very successful at what I was doing on the field, but I was lost in life. And um, I always think if I could do it all over again, I you know what i know today. Um, I could have been a different person, and uh, more than uh, a better player, to, and taking better care of myself. I mean, I didn't take real good care of myself like I should have. I'd have known how good I was. And you know, I went out every night and having fun and just partying, you know, and coming through the ballpark, getting home runs like it was nothing. So I could have just imagined if I had a clear head and knowing how good I was, you know, what, what kind of player I really could have been at the height of my career.
1: We're talking to Daryl Strawberry here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. I'm Jason Romano and uh, Daryl, I want to ask you about second chances because... In this addiction, st- addiction life that many lead, including my dad and my family, you know, there's always this sort of second chance type of situation when you get it. And for you, you had a lot, what I would consider from a baseball perspective, but then even a life perspective, a lot of second chances, and kept um, kind of struggling, you know, and falling back in, into this fray. I, I just want you to kind of share with our audience the the struggles, not where you are now, but where you were, say, early 90s to even through your time with the Yankees in, late, in the late 90s, and what second chances meant to you both on the field and off the field?
0: Well, second chances was, uh, was big for me on the field. And coming to the Yankees and being able to play for the boss, George, and um, just having an opportunity to come in to New York. Um, just to have people uh, that like him, the boss never pointing fingers, at what happens in a person's life, because we should never point fingers at people's lives, because we, we really don't know what people come from. We don't know they struggle. We don't know. All we just say is, well, they got demons. <laughs> but we all have we all have some kind of demons. You know, we all have some kind of issues. Uh, it's just about how do we get to a place of helping people uh, overcome life situations. That, and for me, that's what it was, you know, struggling with the life situations and fighting through, you know, the pain of who I are- where am I, and what's my purpose in life? Uh, I went through that for a very long time. And second chance, and third chance, fourth chance is so important because we we don't never know the end of a person's life. If we give up on people, we don't know what their their journey could turn out to be. And you know, who made us? God, you know, to make the decision over people's lives, and we got to get away from that. And that's why it's so important uh, to care about people right where they at. Like I said, we never have to tolerate. Uh, the behavior, but we can care about them and try to understand why they're hurting and what's wrong with them. And we we just, we just got to get back to that as 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 a country of looking at people, why are so many people hurting? Just like I was, I was the same person like everybody else that's out there hurting today. Uh, and I know the pain because because I walked through it. I know I walked through the empty nights and of uh, wondering, you know, who am I? Not just Dallas Strawberry putting on a baseball uniform for the, for the Mets, Dodgers, Yankees. Um, not just that person you know but who am i as as a, as a real person because there's, there's a real person inside of all of us and we have to uh get down to that and for a very long time putting on that baseball uniform i couldn't figure that out basically
1: daryl when when were you first introduced to christ not the the following you know the sort of evangelist that you are now but the very first time you had ever been introduced to him uh when was that take us back to that time
0: it was 1991 i went to a, a Morris Cirillo conference, um, down in Anaheim, California. And that's the first weekend I actually heard, him preaching about Jesus. Uh, I didn't know anything. I just signed a $20 million contract. I was a free agent. I was miserable. My life was falling apart. My marriage was falling apart. Hmm. It should have been the happiest time of my life. I was a free agent, but it wasn't. And there was, I went to this conference with my first wife, uncle, and he wanted to introduce me to Christ. And I heard it, and all I did was that whole weekend was cry, you because I was hearing him preach about Jesus Christ being the Savior, uh, whatever your problems, your issues are, whatever is bothering you. Um, he's the only one who can heal you. And I got radically saved at that conference, at the end of that conference, that Sunday. Power of God came over me, and it was a transformation that was real, and I know it was real. And, you know, he laid hands on me, and my belly flowed like a river. He said, pick him up. and. He, he said, I don't know who you are. He said, but God has called you. And I was like, oh my God, he sounds just like my mother. Because my mother had told me the same thing on her deathbed that God had called me and he was going to get it out of me. <laughs> and I had no idea what that looked like. And I got, that's my, that's when I got introduced to who Jesus was. But from that point there, I ran into the wall, like playing baseball, ran into the wall, dislocated my shoulder without being a having any type of discipleship. Uh, there I was. I turned right back and went back into the wall and basically was the same person again for the next 10
1: to 15 years. Well, so many people people that I know, especially in my church believe, you know, there's a lot, of, maybe even people outside the church, maybe even non-believers thinking, you know, okay, he accepted Christ and everything's fine. And you know, then when you continue to struggle, I know with my dad, my dad's not a Christian, but I would always wonder why he would continue to struggle, why he would why he would fall back into this horrific pattern of addiction so for you what was it what why did you keep falling back for so many years even after you had Christ in you well I, I just
0: it's just an exception salvation is free and we so many people come to the altar and accept Christ as the and Lord but don't know him and I was no different I didn't know him I I, I knew his name but I didn't know his power I didn't know um the Word of God. I think a lot of times we we forget, and today our society, why people are going back to the same ways after accepting Christ, because uh, there's no knowledge of, of biblical principles. If you don't know the Word of God, you're going to go back, and you're going to struggle. I mean, it's hard enough even knowing the Word of God and dealing in life situations, but you take one that doesn't know the Word of God. Um, he's going to go back to the familiar because that's what the enemy does. The enemy comes to steal that seed immediately, so that you do not get empowered with wisdom and knowledge from the Word of God. And and that's what it was for me. Discipleship is so important. It's so important that people uh, understand um, getting getting people to know the Word of God, not just talking about it. Because we can all talk about it, but if it's not down inside of us, we've never been educated about it. We can never get the victory.
1: Amen, my friend. Now. Tell me, going back to the struggles in the 90s, I'll say, even in the early 2000s, what was the lowest point for you? Was there a point where you just thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it? I really don't.
0: Well, there was a lot of low points, you know, after being affected with cancer twice and losing my left kidney in my second surgery, I thought, you know, from that point, my mom died at an early age, and I thought, well, you know, I may be doomed for that, too, because she died at an early age. And that was a real struggle and, and addiction was right there with me in the midst of that. I, I was still, I was still hopeless um, because I was still empty inside. And that's the important thing that most people don't understand is not until you get restored inside. You know, we all look good on the outside, Jason. Everybody makes their life look good on the outside, but if that inside is never restored to wholeness, um, you can ne- you can never really actually come to the place of uh, understanding who you are. So those are real low points, you know, through addiction, you know, I've been to a Florida State prison I, through addiction. two one one six nine. I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all that, all that I look at is God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. He was still saving me. He was still protecting me. He still had His hand over my life, even at the bottom of, of, of drug drug use. You know, smoking crack, shooting those. Um, even places being lost and uh, for years and years. You know, after baseball and stuff like that. And it wasn't until um God brought in, God interceded in my life, and he brought my wife, Tracy, who was my girlfriend at the time. And she was the one that really led me back to, you know, to finding my way and everything, even with the struggle of her pulling me out of dope houses and stuff and saying God had a plan for me. Uh, I couldn't see it, uh, but she saw it. And, you know, I was, like I said, I, you always got to be grateful that, you know, God is always going to be, God is never going to change what he's doing. He's always going to use people to help people, and that's what we're here for. And she was a helping hand for me, who led me back after all these downfalls and struggles. And wanted, wanted to be dead, uh, there. it was God used her to bring, lift me back up, and bring me
1: to Him. It's an awesome testimony. Now, I, I know for myself, I had to distance myself from and put boundaries up uh, when it came to my relationship with my own father. So, I wonder for you, you know, with your kids and maybe your family, was that the case with that? Like where? Where is that in the whole struggle in the '90s and the 2000s, early 2000s, with your family, with your kids? What what does that even look like for you?
0: Well, I, I've always been grateful that the fact that my kids love me, no matter what I was going through, and you know, I, that I appreciate more than anything because they saw me as someone who who achieved a lot of things and who had, some, you know, flaws and, and struggles and, and was able to be lifted up and brought to a greater place in, in his life. Um, you know, I, I know it was hard for them probably at the time I was going through, but they they loved me and adored me, and I'm I'm grateful for that, Jason. The fact that my kids never turned their back on me, never looked at me as um, anyone has a loser or anything, like most people would say because you end up in the midst of addiction. Um, I know it hurt. It had to hurt them to see, to see their father go through so much. And, you know, I, I know it hurt me to see me uh, – take them through so much as kids but I, I think it just strengthened our relationship it made us uh, grow into a, a greater place a, a appreciation for people my kids are just like me they appreciate people they care about people and they want to help people in any kind of way because they saw their dad struggle
1: I want to talk about trust um, because after you begin to get sober and get treatment you get serious about sobriety you get serious about Christ was there a, still a struggle for you to earn that trust back to to those closest to you.
0: Well, it's it always going to be a, a struggle, and they just have to see you uh, walk forward and keep walking forward, and I'm not really talking about it because I really never talked about you know my life being changed. I just went into changing my life, and I think that was the most important thing uh, for my family and my kids' sake, uh, just them to see me live it there each day. And since day to day, you know they 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 see me continue to live it. i have never really uh, preach to them or anybody else. And I think I, it was a lot of friends, you know, who, who couldn't trust a lot of teammates, you know, who questioned the fact that I was changing and they say, yeah, well, let's see how long this is going to last. And I never said anything. I just kept moving forward and kept doing what I was supposed to do. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that, you know, I kept my focus on my purpose. And when you can keep your focus on your purpose and not worry about what everybody else has to say, trust will be built back in. And that's what happened to me. I, Trust started to come back into people's eyes and, and and people started to be more grateful for the fact that i I had turned my life around and i I never sat around and bragged about it. I just kind of lived it, and I think that's the most uh most important example anyone can give is is learn to live it and not talk about
1: it when we first met this was two thousand nine during our when I was working at e s p n you had come you were promoting your book, and we talked a lot that day about a lot of different things, including your faith in Christ. So I wonder, at that time, because you were doing so well then, too, and you've continued to do well, when was that moment where you started to really, truly discover your purpose?
0: Well, it was, I mean, I knew it was a purpose. I just had to continue to grow. I think studying the Word of God, I think this is the only way one will be able to grow and really find out his purpose. Because God's going to speak through his Word. Uh, Yeah, he's going to speak through people to help you, but he's going to speak through his Word to train you up. So I realized the importance of watching my wife, Tracy, study God's Word like she did day after day after day. And I was wondering why did she have so much understanding and wisdom and knowledge and joy. And God spoke to me and clearly and said, well, she spends time in my Word. So that's what I needed to do. I needed to separate myself from all the worldly things. All the friends, and I need to start saturating myself into the Word of God. And that's what I started doing, and God started speaking to me, and I started understanding uh, the purpose of my life. We can never fulfill the purpose of our life if we don't study for ourselves. And I think so many people want victory, but they won't do the work. (laughs) And it's so important to understand doing the work is where victory comes from. Uh, And that's when I realized. Um, myself uh, started to grow into who I was because I started doing the work with God and God started to speak to me and God started to show me um, why he created me and then I started to fall into the purpose and the understanding of who I am now. It's not who I am when I was playing baseball and, and, and hitting home runs and what I did and all that. All that was great. I accomplished that from a worldly standpoint. But from a kingdom standpoint, I needed to start accomplishing real things that's everlasting that's not going to fade away and once i got into the, the bible i never got never looked back i, I continue to eat the word of god I eat it all the time and, and to be able to grow into what god has set in front of me to do for his kingdom
1: and then you and tracy start a ministry so tell us about strawberry ministries restoring lives and relationships kind of somebody did that to you and helped restore your life so now you and your wife have taken this awesome ministry and, and are trying to change other lives so tell us about strawberry ministries
0: strawberry ministries is, is a very powerful ministry about uh restoration you know restoring lives you know I always say um, jesus came to rescue redeem and restore you and that's what people need to know he just didn't do it for me and tracy and others he will do it for others too that are struggling or whatever bondage and whatever change they have he's already completed completed the form so and we started our ministry, we believe that God had called us for this ministry to bring hope to this world that would be in the midst of an uh, epidemic of, of, of addiction where the enemy will sweep across and make people lives believe that their life don't matter. And we know he's alive because we've seen God restore us from that. So he has given us the opportunity and platform to go use that to bring the loss in and to educate them. But uh, the Bible talks about how my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And that's the reason why most people are perishing. That's why I was perishing because there was no knowledge. And, you know, our ministry is, is about Christ. And we're Christ-centered people. We love the Lord. We're not going to waver. We're not going to compromise. We're not going uh, to talk language just to make you feel good. We're going to tell you the real truth about the Bible, of how, you can be restored if you do this work. If you follow these principles, and I think it's important that we get back to, you know, people following uh, the biblical principles. Jason, uh, uh, everybody wants, everybody wants to, make care, everybody wants to feel good, but then one thing people don't understand: the enemy is powerful, and if, you, and if you're not, if you're not in tune with God's word and living it out day to day he's going to defeat you. And and that's what our ministry is about, to encourage people that you can be, Christians need to be living a victorious life. I'm not talking about money-wise and success. I'm talking about wholeness inside. Victorious, What well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You wake up every day, no matter what's going on. You know, if the house burned up, if we lose everything, it don't matter. We love God, and that's what we're trying to raise people up to understand.
1: Well, not only are you, and that's awesome, and not only is the ministry doing so well, but... My brother, you're a pastor. You're an evangelist now, which is just insane for me as a guy who rooted for you so much as a kid, but now as a as a believer and a guy in ministry himself, and I'm seeing Daryl Strawberry on his Instagram page of all places, and he's traveling everywhere, and he's sharing the gospel to every person that would listen. Heck, you were on Jimmy Fallon recently talking about Jesus. I mean, God is opening up doors for you. And I'm just really excited for you my friend about being an evangelist. Tell us about why that's so important right now about traveling The world really and telling people about the Lord
0: Well, it's exciting, but it's such a privilege, you know to work for the Lord. I think most people think uh, They look at society and they want all these other things and they think all these other things are gonna make them happy but it's such an honor to be able to work for the Lord and be evangelist and travel and, and preach the gospel. Um, I I didn't sign up for this, Jason. the Lord, <laughs> the Lord signed me up for it. Yep. To diving in and staying with God and and not going back anymore. Uh, and this is what He gives you. He gives you His gift. Um, he gives you His gift to speak life. And the word brings life. Uh, the the word liberates. And you know, I think people don't understand about the power of, of of the of the Bible. I think they look at it and think, well, it's just a book. Oh, it's just a bunch of stories. Yeah, it's a bunch of stories with a bunch of broken people that God used for His glory, and we are—we have the same opportunity here to do the same thing as people, as people, because that's who He's going to use. He's going to use people that are willing to lay down their ego, people willing to say yes, people willing to enter in and, and 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 go and and speak life into others, because we're looking at the crisis and the dying and the and the depth of. Uh, Darkness that we're living in, and if people are not bold to speak Christ and they're afraid and intimidated, God's not going to use you. God's going to use those that are bold, that don't really care about what people are going to say because they're going to talk anyway. Guess what, Jason? They were talking when I was a heathen. Now they're talking because I love Jesus. They're going to talk about you anyway. And then when you're dead and gone, they're not going to talk about you anymore because you're no longer here. So you might as well make the best out of your time that you have here working for the Lord and helping others and leading them. Billy Graham was a prime example of what a great evangelist is. What was he doing? He was leading people to Christ. That's the most important thing is leading them. Now, once you lead them, the church got to catch them and clean them up and disciple them and raise them up. Because once they once they get saved, their hearts on fire. If you catch them immediately and disciple them, uh, then God can change them and God can empower them and use them. And that's what he did to me and Tracy
1: amen i love what god is doing with you my friend and i'm just so excited to see where he's going to take you just a couple more questions here with daryl strawberry on the sports spectrum podcast daryl you know my book live to forgive is coming out and forgiveness is such a a powerful tool in the kingdom uh to restore lives so i'm just going to simply ask you point blank what does forgiveness mean to you in all that you've been through what does forgiveness mean to you forgiveness is so important i think so many of us miss
0: it jason we think forgiveness when we when we looking at someone else and we ask them forgiveness is about them. Forgiveness is not about that person. Forgiveness is for you so you can be healed when you ask for forgiveness. And we, we all in our life, I don't care who you are, need to go back and ask someone to forgive us. And if we do, we will receive the free gift of freedom because what happens is Christ frees you when you forgive. And I think so many people hold houses over their heads what someone has done to them and, and how someone has treated them. And we forgot that we all have fallen short and we all have done wrong to someone else too. And we all need forgiveness. So I, I looked at forgiveness when I went and forgave my father and repented to him and God sent me, I was so relieved because I was so free because I had held him and and gave him all the space inside of my life mm. because of what happened in my life and he didn't know any better because his father was an alcoholic and he saw that so we don't know where where it comes from but we need to learn that forgiveness is never about going and saying to the other person i forgive you because of what you've done with me you're saying i'm forgiving you because i need to be free because I I need forgiveness myself. Christ has forgiven me for my sins. So we all need to understand that it's very important for people to get to a place and understand that, Jason.
1: That's really great. Last question here, and I do appreciate your time, Daryl. I really do. We ask this question to all of our guests, uh, and I'm really curious to see your answer here. It's a simple question. It's not always a simple answer. But during this season of life where you are now, a traveling evangelist in many ways, a pastor, a husband, a dad, all that, what has the Lord been teaching you in this season? What are you learning from him right now? I'm learning that it's never about
0: me. It's always about others. And if we can get to that place and be empowered with God's word and God's scriptures and realize that it's, it's not about us because he has transformed us and changed us and that others others matter. And when we can understand that, and and trust that and believe that, you know, believe what God's word says, uh, we're able to help someone else because that's the reason why he's given us the gift of free life. And we have the freedom to go back and and get somebody else and bring someone else. And and most people don't realize the importance of that. um, God's going to always take care of you when you go help somebody else. And if we can get to that place, as as the body of christ it's not about a black church it's not about a white church it's not about a black man a white man it's about the blood of jesus the blood of the lamb we're all set free because of the blood of the lamb because of jesus dying on the cross for us and it allowed us to have this life and have it more abundantly so we can go out and help others and tell them about the love of jesus
1: he is daryl strawberry eight-time major league baseball all-star four-time world series champion and make sure you pick up his new book don't give up on me shedding light on addiction and check out everything he's got going on at strawberryministries.org, strawberryministries.org. Daryl Strawberry, my friend, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Well, thanks for
0: having me, Jason. I'm very proud of you for the book you got written too, man. And it's going to do well. It's going to encourage people. Keep up the great
1: work. And we do thank Daryl Strawberry, eight-time Major League Baseball All-Star, former New York Met and New York Yankee four-time World Series champion, for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. And I'm just so grateful for Daryl and his heart to want to serve the Lord and just tell his story and help lead people to the saving grace that is found and salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. So really cool story from Daryl, and I'm so grateful that he came on the podcast and certainly as a... Uh, a diehard Mets fan and a huge Daryl Strawberry fan when I was a kid. This was an absolute treat to talk to him. One of my uh one of my great honors, honestly, and one of the, just one of the sort of bucket list items for me as uh just as a sports fan and being in ministry and being able to talk to Daryl, not just about the Mets, but to talk to Daryl Strawberry about God. It's pretty awesome. So grateful for him and thankful for his uh, appearance here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. We also thank you very much for joining us and tuning in. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at sports underscore spectrum. You can follow us there. You can follow me at Jason Romano, and you can email me, jason at sports Send us any ideas you have, any feedback, any thoughts on this interview or any other interviews that you'd like to hear right on the podcast. And you can also... Leave a review on iTunes. That would be awesome. And get this podcast heard and seen by as many people as possible by sharing it through iTunes, through Google Play, and certainly through your social media platforms. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, everyone. And we will see you next time right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast.